Welcome to another episode of Systematic Geekology. This is a space where we seek to create and cultivate healthy conversations between those things we geek out on and the philosophical and theological questions that often arise out of our fandoms. Like, what does it mean to be human? What makes a hero? What makes a villain? How do the stories and narratives we geek out on shape how we live in the world? We are your priests to the geeks. We aren't all ordained, but we see ourselves as mediators at the intersection of geek culture and going deeper in our faith. We don't always have to agree, but we do respect each other. And we see everyone as a beloved child of God. Everyone geeks out on something, so come geek out with us and enjoy the show. You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. What would you wish for after gathering the Dragon Balls? We're going to find out today on a special episode of Systematic Ecology. We are priests of the geeks. This is part of our origin series, our cosmology series, where we're discovering different fandoms, different faiths and stuff like that. And today we're focusing on Dragon Ball as a whole. That is, of course, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Super, even GT, for those of you fans out there who really love it. So here we go. Uh, I'm your host, Christian Ashley, and I am joined by the one who made the Super Dragon Balls himself, TJ Blackwell. How are you doing, TJ? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking, Christian. Oh, I'm just so glad recovered that, from man. making the Super Dragon Balls, actually. Oh, just recovered? Wow. Man, you're that good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, other than, me, but... I bet it did. But other than that, like, what else have you been doing, man? What have you been geeking out on recently? Val- uh, so actually, <laughs> uh, it, it could be Valorant, but uh, Baldur's Gate 3 just released Patched 5, which introduced Honor Mode because the game released with three difficulties and everyone thought the third one was not hard enough. Now there is Honor Mode. And if you die in Honor Mode, your save gets deleted. Oof. Wow. I didn't know so that part. I knew it. New patch had been released. So that's good. I, I still have yet to yeah. play it, but that's on my list. It's also Maybe for Christmas. Actually harder. It is more difficult than Tactician. And they gave all the bosses legendary actions and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty okay. scary, actually. Excellent. Well, for me, uh, not quite as difficult, but difficult in its own way. Uh, I finished Kingdom Hearts 2 and I'm on Birth by Sleep right now. So I've completed Terra. I'm on Ventus. And after that, I'll be doing Aqua. So uh, this playing through it again, this is my favorite game in the series. So even though Kingdom Hearts 2 is probably better, I enjoy Birth by Sleep more. If that makes any sense. I understand completely. Okay. So... Now let's get to our main topic today, and that, of course, is Dragon Ball. Now, TJ, if there's someone out there who has not heard of the grandeur that is the Dragon Ball franchise, you are talking to Pastor Will. Like, maybe he's heard of it, but he doesn't get it. How would you describe it to him? So, essentially, uh, he's it's like less powerful Superman. That <laughs> oh, we're starting to that spicy today with what just dropped today. Yeah. Yeah, less powerful Superman, and we get to see him get stronger. Okay. That's More the simplest way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dragon Ball overall is one of those series. Like uh, in the West, like other people did get Dragon Ball a little earlier, but most people were introduced with Z. 
which is kind of like not really a sequel series so much as a continuation as a like a five year time gap in between the end of Dragon Ball and Z. And that's interesting. Goku and his friends who after many adventures on Earth are being attacked by aliens. But before all that, you had this little kid with the monkey tail uh, trying to find the Dragon Balls, which can grant one wish to whoever gathers them together. And that's the gist of the series. There are plenty of other things that go on. We don't have time to explain all of that. But like at its simplest core, it's, you know, little dumb Goku on his way, journeying with his friends, fighting other enemies. Some of those enemies becoming friends. Some of those enemies dying off for good just so they can get the power of this one wish. Like what would that one wish be for us along the way? So, DJ, how did you get into Dragon Ball? Was it in the original? Was it Z? Was it GT? Super? How'd it go? Yeah. So probably like most people my age, uh, I was watching Cartoon Network and then it became nine o'clock on a Saturday and it was Dragon Ball time. Z. Okay. You know, start watching Dragon Ball Z on Toonami and, you know, I was, that was like the first time they did Toonami. So I was like six. They just kind of nice. grew into the point where I could actually choose to watch it. And from there it grew. Yeah. Uh, I've started watching it somewhere near the initial release of the Saiyan saga, I think. So I was missing a lot of context. I had heard, I was thinking the third grade at the time, if I remember correctly. So some of my friends were all hyping up this series. It's like the greatest thing in the world. I hadn't watched it yet. Uh, So I started watching it and mother wasn't quite happy with that at that point in time. She was in that phase of, we can't have this Japanimation stuff around my children. You know, it's, it's corrupting the children. And now she has since gotten a lot better about such matters. But uh, I had to watch it in secret. So I learned that they would re-air it unedited for the most part later that night. So while everyone else was asleep, I would go downstairs and I would watch it with the <laughs> with the volume off <laughs> just so I can get into it. Like I love this series. It's a ton of fun. But let's go into the origins of Dragon Ball itself before we go into the actual cosmology of the series. So. Uh, it starts off with a man named Akira Toriyama. Now, Akira Toriyama is a manga writer and artist. He started off in Shonen Jump in the 80s with Dr. Slump. Now, have you ever encountered Dr. Slump outside of like the crossovers in Dragon Ball? No. Yeah, I, I haven't watched the whole thing. I've watched bits and pieces. It's it's a fine series. The, the humor, like Toriyama's humor doesn't always land with me, but I think that's kind of me for the most part. Japanese humor and I don't always align well, but it's fine. Arale is a really fun character. Uh, the weird, quirky town she's in is fun, but it's not my thing. I know there are plenty of other people who like it more than Dragon Ball. They're entitled to that opinion. That's fine. But as he was finishing up this series, he kind of got inspired by reading Journey to the West. Now, Journey to the West, for those of you who don't know, is a Chinese epic uh, telling the story of Sun Wukong as he's going around. Uh, Sun Wukong, of course, being the monkey god that has this pole that you can also see in a son Goku here, Goku being like a transliteration to an extent of Wukong to Japanese from Chinese, uh, being humbled by the gods and being him forced to go on this journey to the West to retrieve different items and stuff like that as he makes friends along the way. So TJ, have you ever read journey to the West? It's been a while since I have to be perfectly honest. I've read a little bit of journey to the West. I never was able to commit to it, but it's cool. I like it. Yeah, it's a good story. It's also uh, you're going to have to set aside time to to read Journey to the West. And it depends on your translation, too. They're all over the place. But uh, I do enjoy it. I just haven't read it since college. And that was over a decade ago. So there you go. Now, as 
Toriyama was going on, his wife, who I think at this time they had just recently married, one of the things they would do while he was like brainstorming ideas or like drawing while she was around is they would watch Kung Fu movies, most of them starring Jackie Chan. That's why Jackie Chun appears as a name for Master Roshi later on in the series. It's kind of like him calling back to what inspired him to make some of this stuff. So he wanted to do a series that was more martial arts based, kind of based on the journey to the West. And the both, excuse me, like I said, you know, they both watched those Kung Fu movies and that just inspired him. Okay. I want to like see this live action thing brought into comic form. So as time would go on in the series, Goku's character would take on a bit more of a Superman kind of origin in that the, the classic, you know, child sent in a pod from another planet who blows up that got changed through different retcons as time went on. And how that actually happened as we figure out in the series. But a contrary to the Superman, though, Goku would have been a bit more aggressive in the original had he not dropped on his head as a child. So that's kind of a way to distinct distinguish himself from Superman. How do you feel about that origin there, TJ? Uh, I like it. I think it's I mean, to me, I don't think he's ever just straight up said like, yeah, it's, uh, I liked Superman. So I just wanted to use that origin. Uh but it's it's so similar that there's no way it's not based on it. Yeah. And I, uh, I like that effort to change it. It kind of it's in, in one ahead. sense. Sorry. I don't like I don't like the way it, it speaks to Saiyan's nature as just actually being born violent and aggressive. Uh, <laughs> but I do like the way he tried to change it up, tried to mix it up. And a severe concussion is, is a good way to do that. Yeah. As we'll explore later on, like not all of this was set in stone when he first started writing, you know, like not every writer in the world, like plots out everything. Like I played out a lot of things myself, but I don't have everything in there. Like I change things. I'm flexible along the way. But he he is one of a classic example of one of those people. They just write. I have a cool idea. I'm going to do it. How do I get to that cool idea? Well, I'll figure it out when I get there. And that's kind of Goku's origin. Like it's established fairly early on that he is not normal. He is probably an alien. And we don't like go into detail until around the time of what we would call Z as you know, Saiyans are introduced like TJ brought up and all that. But I think it's a cool origin story. Like obviously there have been retcon after retcon after retcon. I mean, well, the same things happen to Superman multiple times over too. So it's only fair. And as well, I do like also because Superman's origin story is not ripping off of something else, but inspired by something else. And that being of course, Moses in the bull rushes. Uh, he was created by two Jewish uh, me, comic writers and artists, and they took that from, you know, the Bible. So it goes all the way to Superman. It comes all the way to Goku. I think it's a lot of fun that, you know, over the years, we keep being inspired by things, even if we don't remember where they originally came from. Mm -hmm. There was actually uh, I encountered there's a thread on Twitter uh, where people were talking about the scene from SpongeBob in the the episode where they mess with the time machine and get sent to the past. And in SpongeBob, they reference the final scene from 2001, a space odyssey. <laughs> and they do like, not the, what you would expect to happen, but someone else. I, and I just, I wish I could remember what they were. They were saying a new series was referencing SpongeBob, not knowing SpongeBob was referencing 2001. Oh my gosh. That's wild. And it's like the same thing. Well, it's, People being young, got to figure things out along the way. You know, things do reference other things. They don't always, they're not always as, uh, what's the word I want to look for here? Uh, original as they want to appear at times. 
And that's a classic case for Dragon Ball. It's a classic case for Western media as well. It's just how it goes. Now, unlike his previous work, Dr. Slump, like we brought up before, Toriyama didn't want the series to be solely comedy based. Like there were definitely going to be, there's a lot of humor in Dragon Ball that kind of dies a little bit as we get into Z and so on and so forth, but it never really fully leaves. And one thing he also wanted to do is remove the more Western influence he, ha- uh, he had in Dr. Slump. And he preferred for the settings and the buildings to have more Chinese and like a general, more overall Asian appearance as well. And his original plan, which there's much debate about this, as you'll find along the way, would say, oh, he wanted to stop at the Cell Saga. Oh, he wanted to stop at the Frieza Saga. So blah, blah, blah. Like Originally, he did want to stop once the Dragon Balls were gathered, the wish was made. But due to its popularity and due to him like really enjoying what he was doing, he continued the story and fleshed out the world more, which I'm extremely grateful for. So, TJ, do you have anything you want to add there before we move on to discussing the cosmology side of things? No, I like it. I mean, okay, that's that's kind of a, a thing that happens a lot more than people realize. And uh, I think he's probably the most guilty of it. Because <laughs> Dragon Ball ended and he was like, oh, let's keep going. And then Z ended and he was like, hmm, American team, y'all keep going. And then GT mm-hmm. ended and a few years later, he's like, hmm, that's not enough money. I'm going to I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and now we have what is it? It's die something is the newest one that's coming out next year yeah. probably mm-hmm. dio or something like that it, basically what happens at the beginning of gt is happening again uh, but for everyone this time by the looks of it so we'll see what happens so moving on to the more cosmological side of things for dragon ball and as with many cases here none of this was planned from the very beginning we have you know this this guy called kami who people start talking about so he said, oh he's the guardian god of earth but nope actually he's just an alien all this stuff. We'll get to that in a moment, but let's start with if he had done this as like, this was my plan from the beginning. We have the Omni King. Now, TJ, you want to explain who the Omni King is to the good people? Okay. Basically God. There you go. More or less. Essentially I mean, pretty much. less involved. Yeah. Uh, obviously he did not have plans for the Omni King when he's writing this other stuff. But when we do get into Dragon Ball Super, we find that there's more out there and we'll discuss like the angels and the gods of destruction as well. But we find the Omni King is this weird purple blue with what, like yellow and gold, maybe a part of the design. And he's this little tiny guy uh, who is acting very childish, uh, kind of bonds with Goku over the fact that the two of them are very childly, uh, childlike mindsets while everyone else is afraid of him. And rightly so because of what he can do. Like he's the strongest reality warper we have in the show bar none, but Goku just goes up to him and says, how's it going, man? And they become buds. And not even that Goku realizing that he can't always stay with them. Go- goes to a separate timeline, takes that Omni King so that the two of them can pal together after Trunks' timeline gets destroyed, and that's its own thing. And I know we're throwing a lot of proper nouns out here, and you're going, what the heck is that if you've never watched the show? It, it makes sense in context, I swear. Like, TJ, you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Uh, so basically none of this existed until Dragon Ball Super, which is, you know, for 30, 40 years after the series started. So this is really just a cobbled together upper divinity kind of world building and the omni king's just a silly little guy who needed a silly little friend so they went and borrowed one from a different timeline yeah how does that work for the other timeline don't worry this is the only timeline we we really care about anyways so how do you feel about how he's been characterized as like this childish 
being who doesn't really get the consequences sometimes of what he's doing. I like it. It, it kind of it's silly. The series is silly and it does a great job at that. It's just, well, we can do our best to win this tournament. We can live our lives, protect our planet from evil for years. But if the Omni King decides it's time for us to go, we're done. Kind of we terrifying. Child happy. Yeah. And like, I, I do like as a, obviously Toriyama is not a Christian. That kind of contrast between, you know, our more Judeo Christian view of God versus how Omni King is displayed here as like this childish being that on a whim could destroy everything. But as you going through the tournament power, you like, it's not as he's not as childish as he appears. Like there is an actual goal in mind to have the tournament of power, to have all these universes fighting against each other. It's to test them all and to see if they make the right choice along the way. And I really enjoyed that because it makes him more of a character versus like this thing we have to just placate. So I really appreciate what they did there at the very end of super. Mm -hmm. All right. So moving on from him, also established very early on in the movies before Super happened is the idea of there being angels and gods of destruction. Now, TJ, you want to explain how this duo works? Uh, yeah. So basically the angels serve the Omni King loosely and they train the gods of destruction. The angels are stronger than the gods of destruction. Don't worry about that. Is there any reason for the gods of destruction to exist? Not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to lie. I don't really understand the significance of both of them, except to okay. pre like present as a duality of sorts. But they're really not. Yeah, it's basically set up in the system of uh, one of the concerns of the Omni King to an extent is how strong a universe is, how powerful it is, and what gods of destruction are supposed to do is it's their job to be this figure above every other mortal race in the in existence there and destroy the ones who aren't like contributing to this idea. It's very, you know, Darwinian idea. Uh, sorry, not, not that Darwin himself will say this more like the, the, the social Darwinist idea of, Hey, it's better for these communities. It's better for this gene pool, blah, blah, blah. If, the strongest survive if they are the ones contributing and the weak get left behind. And, but as we see, as time goes on, our, I say our for universe seven, the one where Goku and friends are at Beerus is lazy. He slacks off on his job. He kills people on a whim. And that's one of the thing that gets brought against him is like, Hey, you're not actually doing your job as effectively as we want you to. So who knows? You could have killed off the wrong people here. And he's being minded by what is, what we assume to be his servant at first, Weiss, who is this the angel in this, a uh, very you know blue skin, white hair, uh, carrying his staff around, and has the appearance of just being a servant. But as time goes on, we do learn, learn, learn like TJ says, that they're more stronger than the gods of destruction. It's their job to make sure that they're doing their jobs, and they can take them out whenever they want to. So it's a weird dualistic sense here between the two of them. Yeah. It's like they're they're supervising in the way that most supervisors do. They're really just capable of doing everything that their supervisees can do. Yeah. And it's one thing too. It's like, yeah, they're not supposed to involve themselves as much as we see uh, some of the manga we've gotten. We do see a potential angel in training through Miris. That's his mm. name, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of his story is like, how much can I intervene? How much should I intervene? And the conflict between him and we of like, hey, you're supposed to stay in line here. You can't keep doing stuff like this. So I find that fascinating as well. And I hope to see that animated one day. But as far as everything else is concerned, it's that weird sense of you introduce all these concepts and there's a, some horrific ideas behind it, too. It's like they're supposed to be shaping and molding things for more power. But like, what does that do for regular people, man? Like, it looks pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Regular people are really nothing. I mean, yeah, the Dragon Ball universe, you ever get one of those questionnaires like, hey, what uh, anime universe would you ever want to end up in? And you know what I see people selecting all the time? The Dragon Ball universe. There's no way on God's green earth I would ever go there. You know how many times the earth has been destroyed? More than zero, which -hmm. is what it should be. Even then, the uh, question's never, you don't get to be a Saiyan. It doesn't say that. That's not in the question. Best case scenario, you get to be human and you get to be the strongest human. So congratulations, you're TN. (laughs) Pretty much. It's like, oh, and by the way, the answer to those questions should always be Pokemon because, you know, you you can do whatever you want in that world and essentially you get a carte blanche. Consider subscribing on YouTube where you can get some uh, some other stuff. You get exclusive series like our comic book catch up, manga mustard, drinks with Tejas and a companion series we do each year to go with our annual theme. You also get access to Friday Night Frights and Wednesday Night Weeaboo and Spidey Swingbys with Christian Ashley. Um, you get access to other exclusive shorts like uh, what I'm going to be doing soon are non-canon where I'm going to be reviewing different IPs that are outside of canon from our favorite fandoms or the Bible and discussing whether or not it should be canon. You also can get a short of Will's Wednesday pull list. If you're into comic books, Will goes through his favorites of each week's pull list for himself. You also get other bonuses over there. Um, Most of our surprise content will put straight to YouTube going live over there that you can check out. And a lot of our regular episodes are also posted on YouTube. If you just want to see our smiling faces. So, Moving on from there, we have the Supreme Kais, who are introduced in Dragon Ball Z proper before we get into the shenanigans involving the angels and the gods of destruction. And as we're told there, TJ, uh, how much uh, go ahead and let the people know, like, what are the gods? Excuse me, the Supreme Kais, what's their job, their function? Uh, I don't even remember. I just like the Kais for who they are. They don't do their jobs anyway. Uh, Yeah, they're well, to be fair to Shin, like. Everyone else kind of died, so he was left by himself to govern an entire universe. So I cut him a yeah, little well. slack. He he's still slacking on his job, but considering what happens with Majin Buu, you know, absorbing the other Kai's and him leaving himself by himself. Well, like before that, though. Okay. Before that, they just let that happen. Well, they were actively fighting Buu. Too little, too late. Was, I mean, they did what they could, and that leaves Shin in his own position here, to where he has to govern an entire universe by himself. So kind of bad for him i feel bad for him but he is a bit of a slacker comparatively speaking to the other ones like he doesn't intervene until majin buu is about to be resurrected again mm-hmm. and he really doesn't understand the people he's working with he's a terrible judge of character when it comes to goku and vegeta if he had just kept things with gohan things would have gone a bit more smoothly majin buu never would have come out and been resurrected like kind of that is one of my favorite things they did with uh for trunks in super is they kind of show how uh, when that happened in his reality, he didn't take any time. Like he just sliced uh, Bobbity and uh, Deborah in half and just like, well, crisis over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but 
what their responsibility is, is they're supposed to maintain planets as well. Not in the same way that the gods of destruction are, but more like you know, oversee them, make sure that the big bad threats out there are being taken care of. But obviously, as time went on, Toriyama didn't have this idea of them being a thing. So when they show up, it's like, OK, well, why didn't you show up when Frieza was there? Why didn't you show up when Cell was about to destroy the entire Earth? Well, because they didn't exist. So I, I cut him a little slack there, but it is the question should be asked when that happens. Yep. And speaking of another somewhat negligent guardian of Earth, let's get in the Kami. Who is the one who we find out actually made the Dragon Balls? So uh, for people out there who don't know who Kami is, TJ, have at it. Kami, uh, man, it's why is it so hard to describe all of these people? This character's older than I am. <laughs> uh, Kami's basically the some overseer. Years. Yeah. yeah. He basically serves as the overseer of Earth uh, after a certain point. And if I'm not wrong, I'm going to mess this up. It's okay. Because Kami and Piccolo spit from each other, right? Yes. Uh, King yeah. Piccolo. King Piccolo split into Piccolo and Kami. Right. So he was half of the greatest threat to the planet in Dragon Ball. <laughs> yes. They split. For some reason, both are good guys. That's whatever. Uh, and then Kami kind of takes this role of being Earth's overseer on the lookout tower and he tries yeah he tries he's not good at his job but he tries no one he's is. a tad None of them bit. are good at their job yeah that's one thing you find in dragon ball no one's really good at their job uh when the best person Except you have Goku. on your job yeah is almost he's not illiterate but thanks to master roshi thank god but he ain't the brightest you know your world kind of sucks sometimes is that just that's the best of the best there but for kami we find out what oh, another retcon along the way. He is an alien as well. He comes from the planet Namek, where he was once one being. I don't know if he called himself Kami or if it was something else, but he was fleeing something, I think, that was like a maybe a famine or something. I'd have to look it up again. It's been so long since I've read that lore. Uh, ended up coming to Earth, saw that the people of Earth weren't as, you know, uh, peaceful as the Namekians were and said, OK, what can I do for them? Oh, well, let me make them happy we have our dragon balls here what if i do the same here created them on earth and they can do anything that he himself is capable of doing at least the original set of dragon balls and as time goes on power creep comes in and it gets worse from there but that's one of dragon balls many flaws that i love it for so in regards to him like how, how do you feel like hami is is conducted in this series how does toriyama handle, handle him in your opinion uh it's just something that is an unfortunate reality that Toriyama kind of wrote himself into a bit of a corner here with a character that he wanted to use more. Mm -hmm. And then that character just kind of got overtaken and didn't really do anything to keep up like most of the characters in the series. Uh, I like Kami, though. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, a good guy. character. He's just stuck in a series where he's kind of been irrelevant for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So... One of the things that happened is that he tried to expel his evil parts of his soul, essentially, or self. And that created King Piccolo, also known as Demon King Piccolo, who started ravaging the earth. And one of Master Roshi's uh, masters, or was it Mutaito or something like that? I have to look it up again. Ended up sealing him away for a time, came back, and come to find out if Goku and friends kill 
King Piccolo, then Kami dies as well because they're tied together. And the same thing, like er, uh, earlier, we brought up the the Supreme Kai's and the Gods of Destruction. If one of them dies, the other dies as well. So that's something that is brought on later on in the series. So you get some tension. There's some really good tension in the early Dragon Balls. Like, well, what can we do to stop King Piccolo? And Goku he does end up not bringing him to the point of death because what he does is King Piccolo spits out an egg that becomes the Piccolo most people are probably more familiar with right now, who starts off as a villain, but then in the, the Tenkaichi tournament ends up not becoming Goku's friend, but like getting an understanding of him that when the Saiyans do attack later on, they become a bit more friendlier towards each other to the point where even in the Android saga where Piccolo's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm just, I hate you, all you humans. I'm, I'm a villain. I've always been a villain. No one believes and no one buys it. And yeah. that's where Kami's story kind of comes to an end is where he gets absorbed into Piccolo because, hey, didn't you know, if you absorb a Namekian, you get, you get stronger. Yep. So we brought up the Dragon Balls and they're obviously what the story is named after. So like, how do you think in the whole of the series, how are they handled? What restrictions do you think should have been placed on them? Or like, should they just be as overpowered as they are right now? Uh, well, if they weren't that overpowered, then the you know, series just wouldn't be as good. Okay. I, I like the original restriction that they can only get something done that Kami could do himself. And I think they kind of still do that because you get the the super dragon balls, you get the the shadow dragon balls, where they each can only do so much. The Namekian dragon balls are stronger than Earth's dragon balls. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think mostly it's handled pretty poorly as like a get out of jail free card, especially once Bulma develops the Dragon Ball scanner. Because mm-hmm. then you just know where they are. So it does take uh, a lot of attention idea. out of finding them. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, worst case scenario is someone else has it, but the odds of someone else getting it are so low because you're going to make the wish and pull out the scanner. <laughs> we'll see them soon. Yeah, especially as it find out later on, like the, the restrictions are less on them, like it's like every four months instead of a year, like it, what it should have been, uh, like what it used to be. Sorry, is what I meant to say. I think it's what Dende does when he becomes the guardian of Earth this time around. Well, you find out the Bulma is essentially every single time they spread out, finding them again and even uses them as like a potential gift for people for <laughs> for her. Uh, what was it? Her yacht? for Which one was yeah. this? Uh, which movie was that? Was it the first or the second one uh, for the newer stuff? I, I can't remember. So like she can just find it whenever. And a lot of the tension of early Dragon Ball was like, hey, we got to go to this new place and find these Dragon Balls. Like someone could have them. Someone could be trying to grab them for themselves to do evil. That's why the Red Ribbon Army really wanted them. Uh, they're some of the best early villains in Dragon Ball. It's like an organization, in my opinion, because of what they were attempting to do. And especially when you find out what General Red wanted to do with the Dragon Balls. It's like, wow. All this for that, buddy. So you get to this point as essentially when you have a long running series, like whether it be Shonen, whether it be American comics or what have you, like power creep kind of sits, seeps in. And Superman is a lot stronger than he was back in the day. He's a lot faster than he was. You know, Miles Morales right now is really going through kind of an anime transformation to an extent of how his powers are being used. And they look pretty dang cool. But it's way different than the original Miles Morales we saw. And that's only 10 plus years ago he was developed. So the same thing as natural and shonen. Like, you know, the early, you know, King Piccolo being the biggest threat in the world is nothing compared to what has been going on since then. 
Like they never would have considered him to be involved in the tournament of power. He's just that much weaker than they are right now. It just happens. So I'm okay with it. It's not my favorite thing in the world. I would like things to be more consistent, but I also know who I'm working with here. So I cut it a little mm-hmm. slack. So we yeah. mentioned Toriyama's. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Toriyama's not some fantastic, amazing writer, uh, but he knows what we like and we like to see people be strong. Yeah. At the end of the day, isn't that just what we want? Just to see some really buff dude punching a really buff dude in the face and to beams being mm-hmm. thrown around, attacks being called out. Like it appeals to that little child within me. I look at it the same way when I first found this series. It's like, this is awesome. This is amazing. Every time it happens. So I'm okay with it. Yep. Yep. That's just the way it is. Yep. So we mentioned a diff- many different parts of the cosmology here. Like, and we've kind of shared our opinion a bit, but is there anything further you want to go into of like how it's handled in the world? Is there anything you would prefer be done? I would prefer if, you know, there was, if the peak of each species was kind of like the Saiyans, I understand the Saiyans are like legendary warrior race, but why can they go super Saiyan and super Namekian wasn't really a thing until recently, I guess. Yes. Or why no superhuman? Yamcha deserves to be stronger. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all because I mean, they're essentially compared to Goku, Vegeta and everyone of their elk right now. They're kind of worthless. Mm-hmm. Like they'll show Absolutely up and they'll take worthless. out a Frieza for a soldier, maybe. And mm-hmm. those are just cannon fodder. They're never going to fight Frieza. They're never going to fight Frieza's minions or what have you at this point in time. It's uh, it's all over the place. And I do like what some of the more the, the Dragon Ball Superhero movie did is it did kind of make Piccolo and Gohan a little stronger, giving them their own special stuff to set them apart from Goku and Vegeta. I appreciate that a lot. But also you see Krillin is just kind of still Krillin. Like he and Tien Chan, they're the strongest humans right now. And some people don't consider Tien to be a human, whatever. It is what it is. I call him human. So, but they're nothing compared to the top four. Like Mm -hmm. they're not even really part of the fight. So what do we do for them? Like, yeah, let's find a way to maybe humanity just hasn't unlocked that potential yet. Yeah. And let's give them something. uh, Well, that's what I like a lot about the Moro arc is when Moro decides to take over Earth. Tien and Yamcha and Krillin all actually get to help. They all get to do something to help slow him yes. down while Goku shows up. And it's always just wait for Goku is kind of yep. the rallying cry of every Dragon Ball arc. Yep. Uh, especially Z I like is what that. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like it. In, in, I like that. It, it, it works. works. Even more it just it gets a little grating after a while. So TJ, in the world, we hadn't really talked too much about like the actual Earth in Dragon Ball and all the fantastical things that happened there. Like, do you have like a favorite feature of that world? And like, just as examples, like, you know, dinosaurs still exist, like, you know, the capsules that Bulma and her family create, like what, what is there that like really like that? That's my thing. Uh, so it's probably a tie between the dino- dinosaurs still just existing. No one ever mentions it. No one ever brings it up. It's not a relevant point at any point ever. There's just dinosaurs. Uh, and like the urbanization of earth on this earth is just like city all and over then the place. nothing city, yeah. nothing. There's no suburb in the dragon ball world. It's all <laughs> cities or nothing. It's a very simplified thing, but it also, it kind of just kind of works mm-hmm. in the story. I love it a lot. Yeah. I also love to, this isn't my favorite thing, but like you, you refresh my memory, just how technologically diverse places on this earth are like you could have basically uh an older 
you know, Asian kind of idea of what the world was like in like early 1000s or 1200s or something like that. And then you have this giant city full of technological advancements where mm-hmm. we just throw this capsule up there and boom, there's a home. And the two, those exist in the same world. Like, uh, uh, goodness gracious, is it Slump Village? What, whatever the name of, or Penguin Village? I think that's it. Penguin Village is in the same world as all of Dragon Ball. So we get to see Arale doing all those uh, weird and fantastical things. So she exists in that same world where there's also a bunch of martial artists deciding things when a world, in a world where guns exist. Yep. That's a lot of fun, but I gotta say my favorite thing. And I know this is a little weirder and it's something I grew to appreciate over time. Cause I hated it as a kid. It's how dumb people are mm-hmm. and how, how their memories are like as vast as a goldfish. And they keep forgetting things like you would think after winning the boot, the Tenkaichi Budokai tournament, Goku's name would be on everyone's lips and he looks kind of similar even after a five-year time skip so when he's on television fighting the Saiyans and when he's on television fighting Cell that people would go hmm that guy looks familiar except for the president of Earth being this uh, dog Uh, he's the only one who recognizes Goku essentially at that point in time but I thought why are these people so stupid why can't they remember things that happened before and as I've grown older I kind of appreciate it more I don't think this is what Toriyama was trying to do but I look at the world around me and I see how people forget things and they'll remake arguments for something they were against and now they're for it and I go okay yeah I, I like that I, I like seeing people <laughs> in that sense does that make sense at all oh no I understand completely yeah it's one of the things that used to infuriate me. It's like, no one's that dumb. And I guess Most I was just are. a little too optimistic. Yeah, I was too optimistic for my own good. Because I get like that sometimes. I forget the things that I used to be for. Or I forget the arguments I used to make. Or the positions I used to take. It happens. People grow over time. Some people don't and think they have. Mm-hmm. All right. So as we've discussed before, like most of Dragon Ball, like you didn't like plan nothing. But most of it wasn't planned in advance. And like most mangaka, Toriyama was writing by the seat of his pants. Like, how well do you think this works in the series overall? Like, does it work even for you? Well, it's still Dragon Ball, so it does work. I mean, I can't say it better myself. Yeah, the world building may not be great, may not be cohesive. It may make a little bit too little sense at some point. There are so many sentient races. We only know a couple of them want to come to Earth Mm -hmm. and live with Goku and Vegeta and they go to so many and meet so many and it's just not a big deal but it doesn't need to be cohesive it needs to be Dragon Ball and it is yeah I would say if this was any other show I would be more critical on it but I once again, I know who I'm dealing with because I've seen them grow as a as an author as a writer as an artist over time it's Dragon Ball not everything's going to make sense. It doesn't make sense that this medieval village is right here from medieval Europe, but also this medieval uh, village from feudal Japan or, or China is also existing in the same universe where technologically we can have this tablet we can just throw on the ground and have houses and cars appear in them. Like, it doesn't make sense, but it does because it's Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't make sense that the gods of destruction were never brought up before that the Omni King was never brought up before until super came around, but that's okay. It's just dragon ball. There are plenty of other series uh, series that deserve our ire for not getting this stuff, right? Dragon ball really isn't one of them. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's silly. It's supposed to be. That's all it is. There you go. 
plot right, hole. So TJ, There's you no have plot any- hole. Goku's <laughs> going to punch a hole in somebody. Yep. There you go. Never question the time travel mechanics when Trunk shows up. Like, Mm-mm. it'll just lead you to madness. It, it, he happened. He got to the past, and that's what he was supposed to do. The end. Mm-hmm. So, do you have anything else you want to bring up today, TJ, before we hit our wrap up? Um, justice for Dragon Ball GT. Okay. It's the most uh, about the Dragon Balls. It'd be very, uh, the Shadow Dragon Balls. We didn't really bring that up a lot. Uh, but that I thought was one of the best parts of GT. I'm not the biggest fan of GT, but I'm not also like a hater of it either. But I do appreciate like all those really bad wishes that were made have corrupted the Dragon Balls to the point where we get like Ice Shinron, Nova Shinron, so and so, Mega mm-hmm. Shinron along the way. So that was a really fun component of GT. Mm-hmm. It's a good series. That's all I'm saying. Makes sense. Okay. A lot of stupid wishes being granted. Fair enough. And what do you guys think? Let us know. Just contact us on Facebook, Discord, uh, YouTube as well. Just uh, even potentially join the Patreon as well. We really enjoy hanging out with you guys and listening to the questions you have, the feedback you have. But before we go to the rest of this, TJ, you have a recommendation for the audience. If you are a Dragon Ball fan or a Dragon Ball hater because of the potential that it had that Toriyama refuses to deliver, watch Legend. It is a Dragon Ball short film, fan-made. It's like 10 minutes long, and it is incredible. I mean, it's if I just put it in the, the Dragon Ball timeline, Dragon Ball you know, canon, it would be top three fights, probably. Top two. Okay. And probably not two. Yeah, that's, that's a good one right there. Well, to go a little away from Dragon Ball in this recommendation, if you have the ability, if you've got the collected editions... I would suggest to those of you who really like the character as much as I do, go out and read from the beginning, starting with Amazing Fantasy 15, going on to Amazing Spider-Man 1 and so on. I am going to be covering on YouTube for a special series called Spidey Swings By, uh, excuse me, Spidey Swings By, uh, going chronologically from release order, every Spider-Man appearance ever. Uh, Just whenever I feel like uploading that on YouTube, I may have a couple of other people around. Will said he wants to be on a couple already with me. Uh, I'm ready to do it. So go ahead and check those out. They're a ton of fun. Seeing Spider-Man's journey from nerdy Peter, Par- uh, Peter Parker all the way to where we see him now is just fantastic. And I know I'm never going to get through all of them more than likely in this lifetime, but I want to do it. So join me there for that. And remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. Hello, friends. If you enjoy systematic ecology, a great way to support us and to keep us moving forward into the future is to be a patron on our Patreon network. If you're a Patreon, then you get live access to our YouTube exclusives like comic book ketchup and manga mustard, drinks with Tejas, and also uh, some extra content there with our companion series to go along with our annual theme. If you're a patron, you get exclusive merch like t-shirts and handbags and mugs. There's also also a bonus extra question that has 
extra content. In each episode, we go deeper into our faith and the questions that we're wrestling with, but we also do this extra question uh, to jump in and to share about, and and uh, patrons get to hear how we answer that question. There's discounts on our store. You get access to any future online D&D campaigns. You can easily access all of our Patreon content through our Spotify page, where it says exclusive content for subscribers. That could be you folks. And all that being said, you get the satisfaction that you help us uh, keep the lights on and keep us moving forward with our software, our marketing, our equipment, staying current in the podcast game. Uh, we love Systematic Ecology. We hope you do too. Support us moving forward. Thank you for all that you are. We know there's a lot of great choices and content out there, and you choose to listen to Systematic Ecology. Thanks, folks. We love you. Peace. Hello, friends. If you like Systematic Ecology, then there's a host of other podcasts in our network that we think you will like just as much. And so we're part of the Anazal Ministry Podcast Network, and we hope that you can hop over and subscribe uh, with all the podcasts that are in our network. Like, for instance, the homily, which is, hey, Pastor Will Rose's sermon here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina at Holy Trinity Lutheran Church. You have another podcast called The Whole Church Podcast, the OG, the originals, the beginner of it all. Yes, Joshua Noel and TJ working for unity among the church and having great conversations with the wide spectrum of those who are involved in Christian ministry and the church. You have My Seminary Life, uh, by Brandon Knight, who's discussing what he's learning in seminary, what's he is learning his theological studies and, and bringing to the surface uh, those big things that we're wrestling with and thinking through theologically in the church and beyond. There's the Let Nothing Move You podcast from Christian Ashley, who is walking through the Bible in a very Bible study type fashion and walking through the biblical narrative. You have Dummy for Theology. I don't think Joshua is a dummy, but hey, he's going to lift up theological themes that he's thinking about and wrestling with. And maybe there's not a lot of um, answers, but there's definitely a lot of great questions out there that he's lifting up with some great theologians across the whole spectrum of Christianity. And then there's the Bible After Hours. Man, if you like to get risky, if you like to get controversial, there's this foul-mouthed preacher who goes from goes through the Bible from a more progressive point of view, challenging the status quo of the modern church. Yeah, yeah, you don't want any kids around with, with that podcast. And then you have the Clydes, uh, one of my favorite couples uh, that I like to listen to. One of the hosts here on Systematic Ecology, Taylor and Elizabeth Clyde, go through weekly discussions and kind of a devotional, conversational method of, of what's going on in their lives, uh, where they see God moving in their lives, and what God is up to in the world. So those are the podcasts a part of the AMP Network. Subscribe, follow, we hope you can be a part of all that great network with the wonderful podcasts at AMP.